This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Happy Friday, Football Friday, and Happy New Year. It's the roundtable here on WGR. Bulldog is off. Sal Capaccio with me, Mike Shope, here in studio to go over as much as we can here. The Bills and the Patriots. What happens if this happens? What about if that happens? Um, everything. So, what a great time of year to be talking about this. I've said a couple times this week, like it's a great time of year to have off if you're lucky enough to do that. Kids are home, and like there's stuff you can do. But man, I, I also love coming in this week. You know, like there's just so much to get into. Yeah, and I was thinking this week about the fact that we have 17 games now. We've had this now for a couple of years, and you know, you don't obviously the schedule will be different. But when you had 16 games, right? Oh, this will be the last week. You still have a couple more weeks to go here with more to play out. We're starting to get a little bit more of a clear picture, I think, of what things look like with the Browns. I mean, the Browns do have a look at the one seed. I still think it would be unlikely. So they're going to play as the five, and they're going to be at the AFC South winner. I think that's pretty certain at this point, unless some crazy things happen. It'll either be Cleveland or Baltimore. Mm-hmm. In, in the five. I don't think there's another outcome. I think it's one or the other. Will be The, the Bills can't get to the five. And if the Bills can't, no one can. Miami would, would never be the five either. Right. My Bills can only be two or six or seven. Right. To be honest. So it's Cleveland or Baltimore at five. Which right. is nice for them. If you're Cleveland right now, how excited are you? Oh my gosh. Very. And you're going to the AFC South winner almost definitely. It could be Kansas City or I don't know, Las Vegas or Denver. <laughs> but like you're you're going to someplace beatable in the playoffs in week one. And like Flacco, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the Browns, Sal. Can you buy into the idea, the possibility that they make a run? I can. I I think their defense is good. It's really good. Although, you know, when they played some better teams, their defenses showed some, some cracks in the armor. But now their offense is tough to stop. And they have kind of the perfect quarterback for their system they want to run. And I, you know, sometimes it could just be circumstantial. It seems like Joe Flacco is the better quarterback for them than Deshaun Watson, and he's playing great, obviously, right now. So yes, I can, especially with their path, Mike. If they have to play at the AFC South winner in round one, I'm taking Cleveland's probably favored in that game. I think over so too. Jacksonville, Houston, or Indy, they're favored in that game. So then they go to round two, and I could see them going to Kansas City and winning. I could see them going to Miami and winning. I could see them going to Baltimore, and I could see them going to Buffalo and giving every team a game and maybe even coming out on top. If the Bills end up the six, there could end up being a game that's the Bills at Cleveland. Too. Boy. Yeah, that would be really Pretty interesting. Good. I'd sign up for that. You'd have, Yeah, if, if the Bills were the six, 
They'd have to win their first round game against the three. Cleveland would have to win five, so five and six would survive. You'd knock AFC out championships. You'd knock out the three and four. And then yep. see what happens, you know, with and six and beats seven. one and five, right. five beats two. There you go. I, but I think all that this year is very possible. Me too. I really do. Even Baltimore, as good as they're playing, as well as they're playing, if Baltimore does secure the one seed, I don't think they're completely safe in that second round. I think that's a unless there's an upset from a seven seed like an Indy or a Pittsburgh or something like that. I think Baltimore's in for a fight in in their first playoff game. Couldn't agree more. That's exactly how I would put it. If the Raiders, if it's the Dolphins and the Raiders, two versus seven, and the the Dolphins have a bad day, ends up being the Raiders in Baltimore, I would say the same thing. But Cleveland has, they won there this year. Yep. A big comeback in the fourth quarter. Deshaun was the quarterback in that game. Indianapolis could be that team, and they've won there uh, this, this year as well. Well, I said earlier, as far as the Bills go, I'm saying, Sal, that if the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl this year, the Ravens have to win Sunday. That... It's as all these things are doable, but I I don't see the Bills winning in Miami. Well, that, that maybe would have to happen, but they might not need it depending on the other teams. But getting into the playoffs and winning three road games, I just it's happened, and maybe this team is special enough where you think, oh, it's it's more than just possible. I, I might expect you to say that. Um, but, you know, like I want to get into with you just what kind of form they're in, what kind of team they are right now, because they are. everybody is saying that they're dangerous. And there's no doubt. That makes sense. But there are still questions about them that make mm-hmm. me wonder if they could win, like, three in a row on the, on the road in the playoffs. I would not expect it. It would be hard. There's no doubt. I don't think they're dead if if they have to go on the road three straight games. I think they're capable. I think the way that they can run the ball now, you know, running game travels in the playoffs, right? I think Josh Allen travels in the playoffs. I think you could you could have that formula no matter where they go. I just think back to, to their two most recent road games besides this one at Kansas City and at Philadelphia. I mean, they should have won at Philadelphia. You know, Philadelphia beat them. Nice comeback. The Bills were within a you know miscommunication, a way of winning, or a 59-yard field goal, the other way of winning. They go to Kansas City, they win. I mean, I think they can still beat good teams on the road. It's not easy, but we've seen it, and they've played well in the playoffs on the road. Granted, they haven't come away with a win yet. They lose in Kansas City. We all know how, 13 seconds. But that's a game right there for the taking. So I think that they can do it. It would be very hard. I wouldn't declare them dead because I don't see anybody in front of them, Mike, that they couldn't beat on the road. I think that, and I know what you're saying is, but to add up three consecutive times to do it would be hard. It's not the specific matchup. But you go take it game by game, and I think that you just, hey, get on a plane, you win. You get back home, you get on a plane, you win. And it's not like they'd be going across the country. These are shorter trips. Maybe Kansas City's a little longer. I don't think it would disrupt them. I think that they would have a chance. Yeah, um, that's right. They're, it's interesting. Like they, they've had all this success. Their last playoff win is in nineteen on the road is in yeah. nineteen ninety two. Like they have not won a playoff game right. on the road. They should have won the one in Kansas City, I guess. But there's a reason why they didn't. Um, and that wouldn't be why. That's not why I'm here. Like right. I, I don't think of teams. I don't think home road is even, even necessarily that big a deal. It's just to beat good teams like that consecutively. I want to. I want to talk about how they have become run heavy. It's no accident. It's obviously it's no accident. It's not just that they had a big lead against the Jets or the Cowboys. 
that they that they have done this. And I just wonder if that can work, you know, in these games against these other teams that we're talking about, including the Dolphins, you know, next week. I think it can work against New England. I think pretty much anything can work against New England. I, I hope that they don't make the mistake they made in Foxborough, which is getting a little bit too safe and keeping, you know, the underdog fighter in the game to the point where they can make a drive and, and beat you, which is, of course, what happened there. But do they need to sort of, Sal, in your opinion, turn back to more of a pass-heavy or even more closer to neutral kind of approach to uh, make this run? Do they need to? I don't think so. I do think they need more explosion out of the pass game when they do do it, when they have it, mm-hmm. though. I think what's holding them back is, if you're going to point to something on offense, it's the combination of they're leaning on the run, which is successful, but sometimes they need a big play out of the passing game, and they're not getting enough of that. And they still have Josh, and he can do Josh things. They got a couple of really big plays when they needed him. Late in the game against the Chargers, that third down bullet he threw to the sideline to Stephon Diggs was huge. And then, of course, the Khalil Shakir play. They've come up with those, of course, Gabe, earlier in the game. That's what I think they need to do, Mike. It's not the volume. It's not necessarily leaning on. It's you got to get a couple explosive plays out of the pass game, however that manifests itself, for me to feel more comfortable against these teams. Right, yeah, that big play again. I mean, they're going nowhere in the Charger game until right. the Davis touchdown. That's right. Their fourth possession after three punts. Sal Capaccio with me, Mike Shope here on the in on the Duntire Roundtable Football Friday on WGR. Cook has been impressive. Like you, you and I have talked about him since they drafted him, and just I don't know, he, he, sub back, you know, uh, pass catching, kind of a complimentary player, but he's not that right now. Like he's their horse. And we'll see if he can keep it up. I mean, there have been fumbles. That is maybe the the, the first concern you might have mm-hmm. a, about Cook. But um, the workload is definitely there. Th- there was a bet in the Charger game. You know, I'm watching the pregame show, and Matthew Barry, as NBC is going along, uh, and his like best bet for the game was that Cook would. I think it was 15, more 14 and a half maybe uh, rushes, some number like that. And even though it was minus money, he was like over. And I bet against it because I don't bet minus money very often. And I just thought, you know, um, they might spread it out a little bit. Use Fournette in his first game there. So with Murray. or carries? Carries. And he had 20. He had 20. In a game that they didn't run away in. The last two games for James Cook, he's had more carries in each game than he had ever had. Now 25 against Dallas, 20 against the Chargers. He had not done that all year. I don't. I have to go back to last year. I don't think he had 20 in a game last year. I'll, I'll take a look real quick to make sure. I doubt it. He did not. His high high was 17. So the last two games, he had 25, which is his career high, and then 20, which he had never done. That's his second career high. Yeah. So, yeah, 20, 45 touches over the last two weeks. Carries. I'm sorry, carries for James Cook over the last two weeks. And, yes, they are leaning on him, and I think he's rewarding them. He only had 3.5 yards of carry in the last game. The one before that was 7.2. Generally, though, he is a yards per carry guy. I mean, he's at five on the season, and last year he was at 5.8, close to 5.8, if not right there. So he's a yards per carry guy. He can get an explosive run once in a while. Last week, only a 10-yard run. That was his longest. But sometimes you see him break off one, and that helps the um, the average there. It's kind of like it's kind of like Gabe Davis in the passing game. He'll get a big play that'll yep. help that. But... It seems like he's much more consistent here, you know, than you would even think in a second year of getting that kind of volume now. 
this was always like part of a big part. As we, you might remember the conversations we had like in the summer about Cook. I might have asked you like, how does he? How do you expect his workload to compare with Singletary's? Right. You know, like his career high, career high at Georgia was twelve. Amazing. He, he's not big, so no. he's not Fournette. He's not somebody that teams would ever like lean into. But the Bills are doing it. He reminds me watching. He reminds me of Dalvin Cook. Actually, I mean that's kind of the runner. He not that doesn't make sense, right. but it's kind of the runner he he looks like. So um, so far so good as long as he can hold on to the ball. I mean, last week he had two more, got away with the first one, then they threw a pick on the next play, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, what's your people might wonder this, Sal? Like from the inside, sort of. What's your take on how McDermott views that or Joe Brady? Like last week he fumbled, but they stuck with him. I asked Sean about that the other day and, like, what the difference is. Why did you stick with him now? And we also asked James about it in the locker room about, hey, Sean decided to stick with you. What do you think about that? So, first of all, I'll give you my thought. I I do think that McDermott has too quick of a hook sometimes on these young guys when that happens. Um, I understand his explanations. Not that I agree with it. I do think they take him out of the game too quickly. He's done that. He fumbled on the very first play against the Denver Broncos when they were ripping at the ball. He's got to be able to hold on. But to not go back to him, I thought, hurt the team. And he, when he's the best running back and option you have, you have to do that to me. Um, James said after the game on Saturday night that obviously he was really happy and you know it meant a lot to him for McDermott to trust him to put him back out there and give him the ball not too long after that. I asked McDermott about it. Other people asked McDermott about it right after the game. I did again um, when he had his media availability this week. And he basically just explained that the more time you have with somebody to have the relationship and to build the trust is what comes along with that. So that's his explanation of of that bit. Look, Deontay Hardy fumbled. He's only been here a year, not even a year. He fumbled, and they went back to him to return punts. And it's not like they have... He's he's been he's known James Cook longer. If you want to talk about the relationship part of it, now maybe it's because the body of work of Deontay Hardy for four years. I understand that, and he was an All Pro returner, what four years ago. But that was Sean's explanation of, hey, it's about trust. It's about having this relationship that you build towards that, and then having that ultimate trust, you know, to go back to him. So it seems to me now the question I have is, okay, let's say goes out against the Patriots. There's a first quarter fumble. Haven't you now said? <laughs> I've already trusted him and set that precedent. You can't take him out of the game now unless it happens multiple times, maybe. Yeah, that would damage the trust. I'm continuing to fumble. It would I, show... I it, he, but, he can call it whatever he wants, right, McDermott? Like, he can call it whatever he wants. Well, the trust uh, dissipated after this one fumble, <laughs> but then I had it back later. It just He can call it whatever he wants. I'm not saying he's not being right. you know, truthful with sure. me. But, um, but that's the way he it, looks at it. It's at times looked like punishment. And that's where I think the coach looks bad. Any coach would look bad. Of course, the guy he's coaching against Sunday has a history of it. That's right. Let's remember that. I mean, for years and years, we took phone calls at this radio station that said, what would Belichick do? We heard that about everything about the (laughs) Buffalo Bills during the drought. Well, how would Belichick treat it? What would Belichick do? You know what Belichick does when guys fumble? He takes them out of the game. That's what he does. Cook in the first meeting with New England, by the way, 13 for 56, modest, 3 for 46 and a receiving touchdown, a nice receiving touchdown that left pylon, front pylon in that game in uh, New England. Leonard Fournette last week even returns kickoffs for the Bills. Is he back to the bench? It's a good question. 
Um, you look at the injury report. So let me pull it up right here. Johnson because full. Johnson is full and he's not. He doesn't have a designation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they do, Mike. They might elevate Leonard Fournette and decide not to have him play. They might have him play and not Ty Johnson. I really don't know. Um, it's going to be an interesting situation going forward because even in the playoffs, they have Leonard Fournette available whenever they want as far as elevations. There's an unlimited number of elevations in the playoffs. They can keep bringing him up. So I don't really know what's going to happen here. We'll find out. I don't think Ty Johnson's done anything to deserve to not play. Mm-hmm. He's played really well. And Fournette wasn't special last week, but they put him on the field and he he returned kicks, like you said, and he was willing, a willing participant to do that. So I wonder what they do. I To me, Ty Johnson is still ahead of him. Maybe, maybe Latavius Murray's the guy that's inactive. I don't know if you want to do that. I, I've been the one saying... You kind of can't really do that with an 11-year vet that you signed for this type of se- this this type of time, this time in the playoffs or going towards the playoffs, the t- time of year. And but doesn't mean you get rid of them, but maybe that's the play. And you say, hey, look, we're, you know, we obviously we count on you, your leader, but we just have too many guys at that position. <laughs> they could have them all activated. Murray was Murray active in L.A. He didn't have a touch. He would have been right. He was active, yeah, but he Did, didn't didn't have a touch. That's right. He played though. He was on the field. Fournette, interesting. Just always wondering what's what's going to happen with Leonard Fournette for some reason. I am just curious about him. Watching him on the Bills. He's had a kind of famous career, an interesting career. Top five pick was Fournette by Jacksonville, whenever that was. But and and he's it, only twenty eight. I you know only and not only. <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's old for a running back. But. Right, but I mean, if you ask the average football fan how old is Leonard Fournette, you probably think he's thirty-two or something. He 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 was he goes back to Mark Brunel, they would say. He Fournette goes back to Keenan McCardell yes. and Jimmy Smith and Mark Brunel. And Wasn't Coughlin. he the guy that beat the Bills? No, that was, was Natron Means. Uh, you know, that in was the playoffs. Natron Means. Um, but as a as a front office personnel person said to me one time, "Well, Sal, running backs are like dog years when it comes to their age. Let's yeah. remember that, and that's true sometimes, right?" Yeah, and by the way, a lot of these bigger name running backs are going to free agency, like Austin Eckler, perhaps most famously, you know, Barkley mm-hmm. or Jacobs, one of the, both franchise tagged. Like you're going to have these guys in the market. Maybe Derrick Henry too. And this was interesting last year too. Like what was going to happen, and uh, it will be again because teams don't seem too excited about older running backs these days. The big injury news for the Bills, of course, is Daquan Jones, right? And he's. 100% in? He is questionable on the designation for the game. I, We had Sean McDermott on the Extra Point Show today, as we do every Friday. He said he'll be up and basically said he's expected to play. Sean then <clears throat> met with the Buffalo media. After that, he said the same thing, that Daquan Jones is expected to play. He shows up on the injury report as questionable. So I, my interpretation is, just so everybody knows and there's clear what's happening, he is not yet even on the active roster, so I think they procedurally have to list him as questionable because he's not even on the active roster. He's still on IR, but he's practicing. That's why Justin Shorter, Shorter. is also listed yep. as questionable, yep. even though he's a full participant. I think that it's a procedural issue to me why they would list him as questionable, even though the coach said he's expected to play and he's going to be out there. So he'll be out there. That's what, I, yes, that, that, that carries that's, more weight. N- no doubt. Unless something were to happen at practice, but we have no indication of that. So it looks like 
Daquan Jones is going to play, and that's a really big addition for the Bills, especially against a team where the young quarterback's going to want to run the ball like the Patriots are going to want to run it. He's a really good run stopper. He also is a penetrator, obviously. Um, smaller quarterback as well, Bailey Zappi, not the tallest guy. So, you know, you get another guy penetrating up the middle. That can help. So this is a really big addition for the Bills. They have missed Leonard um, Daquan Jones a lot, especially early on when he was out. They've kind of been able to come back a little bit here. They signed Limbaugh Joseph. Puna Ford's been up since Jordan Phillips' injury. This is really going to help them. Yeah, against Philadelphia, he might have been especially important. Sure. Baltimore, I think, is a team where you'd really want oh, yeah. Jones. San Francisco would be another one. I, I think even Miami. I think Miami, the way that they want to... You know, the, the way they want to run the ball, I understand it's more of a speed game, but if you can penetrate up the middle, they have a, their center is hurt, Connor Williams. Um, you know, they're going with Eichenberg there. I think that you can really disrupt Miami because of the things that they want to do timing-wise if you can get some pressure in the interior. The Bills, as of earlier this afternoon anyway, are or were a 14-point favorite against New England. This is two, two weeks in a row, two games in a row where the Bills are favored by at least 12. And it's the 12th game since 2021 began. That's going to be not quite 50 games. Almost about a quarter of their games since the start of the 21 season, regular season games, the Bills are at least 12-point favorites. Come on. That's pretty amazing. What was the line when the Patriots came here for the perfect game for the Bills? Oh, I want to guess, but I'll also I'll guess while I'm looking. Okay, because I'm going to look too. And I, I would you what maybe three? The Bills were six. a small favorite. I'm okay, gonna, I'm guessing six. They okay. were home. They had beaten New England in New England They'd after lost, losing here yep. in the wind. Twenty twenty one. Right, I'm I got it right here. Okay, what was the line Four. in that game? Four. Yeah, you're closer. You win. I went over anyway, so I <laughs> lost both showcases. Uh, Four. Wow. Because it was so cold. Probably right. 4, four and 44, so 24-20 was the implied score. The actual score was 47 uh, to 14. 47-17. 17, yeah. Rather. What a night. It's a great night. One of the best nights ever in that stadium. <laughs> Maybe the best night, I've, best night I've ever had in that stadium. It, it rivals. I, the three greatest experiences I've ever had in that stadium, from the Bills' standpoint, because I would say I did play there as well, which was great, but... The three greatest experiences I ever had in that stadium were 51 to 3 as a senior in high school, and then Baltimore COVID year playoff, and Taron Johnson specifically on the pick six was still, I get chills thinking about it. And the way I've always described it is I've, I've, it's the only time in my life I've truly ever experienced something where I, it was almost like slow motion when it was happening. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. And then 47 17. It, It was a great night. Yeah, you, you like it when it's cold, then, is what it is. You like, <laughs> Maybe, you like yeah. it when it's cold. Yeah. I thought this year's Miami game was right up there, but it was, you know, gorgeous out. And, yeah. you know, the Dolphins are the talk of the league, and the Bills put up 48, make their statement. There's been some, some, some good experiences against Miami in the cold, the 44-34 game in 90. Yes, last year yeah. would be another. Okay, the Friday Roundtable here, presented by Dunn Tire, the official tire dealer of the Buffalo Bills, also brought to you by Northwest Bank for what's next. Get started at northwest.com by Admar Construction Equipment and Supplies, official construction equipment supplier of the Buffalo Bills, equipment you need when you need it, and by Excelsior Orthopedics Express, sidelined with a sprain, strain, or break. Get to Excelsior Orthopedics Express. With Sal Capaccio, I'm Mike Shope. Happy 
Football Friday. Happy New Year. We'll talk playoff picture next. This is WGR. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 